Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. Through Jesus Christ, God is telling us about salvation itself. Every other religion agrees with the world. Um, Actually, let me back up. This is a good quote by Tim Keller. He says, the world has always despised people from the wrong places with the wrong credentials. We are always trying to justify ourselves. We need desperately to feel superior to others and everything about Jesus contradicts and opposes that impulse. So every other religion in the world, right, they're saying, get your stuff together, figure it out, be stronger, get right, make sure you're worthy of the throne. That's what every other, if you boil it down, every other religion says. But God did the unlikely, the unthinkable. Jesus was already on the throne, and he got off the throne to come to us. It's the exact opposite. Jesus' greatness was not sitting on a throne. It was actually hanging on a cross. The peak moment of his life was not ascending a throne, but it was actually dying on a cross. What kind of love, this is my question for you guys, what kind of love compels the ruler of the universe to lose all of his power and privilege to give us power and privilege? Who does that? How is that possible? Us, the ones who refuse to submit to him. He does that in spite of that for us. Like you see that? Like God went to extreme, extraordinary depths. The richest of the rich became the poorest. The forever connected actually experienced ultimate separation. The author of life surrendered surrendered to death. The perfectly faithful encountered betrayal, not for his own benefit, but for our own sake. So the depth of his humility, how low he came to go, actually shows the depth of his love for us. He did all of this, all of it for our sake. Um, This eternal God loves us so much, he willingly, the above all things, the thing above all things, who's always existed. He willingly humbled himself to being born in a manger, becoming a refugee here on the earth that he created and grew up in Nazareth. Do you know the love of the Father for you? He will go through the the deepest depths. He will go through the lowest points for us while we're still sinners. So God's solution to our problem. Our solution to our problem, remember, is either we give up the throne and we say, yeah, it's yours, but here's what I need in place so we can make a deal. Um, It's the art of the deal. Anyway, that's a Donald Trump joke. I don't know why I made that. Anyway, I thought that joke was going to be huge. It's not. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going. I'm lost. Pulling back. So uh, anyway, so we either give up the throne with conditions or we, we reject who the king actually is and say, no, nah, I'm going to pick this to be my king. I'm actually going to put that on the throne. That's our solution. God's solution to our problem, our inclination saying, no one can tell me what to do, is to quiet us and unravel us at our core with his overwhelming, unimaginable love for us by coming from the highest heights down to meet us in the midst of our sinful nature. 
This is like one of the hardest things to understand, I think, as a Christian. Um, the only way you will ever willingly, truly get off your own throne is to recognize the depth, the breadth, the magnitude of what God has done in Jesus Christ. The only way you're going to give up your life is if you actually understand what happened, what God did in Jesus Christ. Um, the fact that Jesus took upon himself everything that we actually deserve, that the, this true king loves us enough to die in our place for the, for the death of our sins, the, ones, the sins and the death that we deserve, um, to provide us every opportunity to be reconciled back with God, and it's only out of his sheer mercy and absurd compassion for his creation, I mean, that should stop us in our tracks. The, that love surpasses all other understanding of love in this world. And when we really start to grasp that, it's like we want that king. We want that king to be the source of our life. We want that king to be the source of our meaning. We want that king to be the source of our peace, the source of our hope, so that we can actually fill the thing we desperately long for and we've been seeking our whole life but have never found it. Um, so I want to encourage us today with basically two takeaways from this passage. Uh, the first is this. Salvation comes from the unlikely. Um, that's just the word in my head that's been all week, that it's just so unlikely. Everything about it is so bizarre and unlikely. God demonstrates his insane uh, love through his insane greatness by dying for us. God became weak. He became humbled. He became poor. He became afflicted. Things he's never been for us to fulfill his promises to make us back reconciled with God. He did that for us. So even when our hearts were far off in the middle and the point where we're like, no, we will kill anyone who tries to take our throne. God actually came near when we were far to overwhelm us with this ultimate display of love on the cross. That's why when we read this verse, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus easily could have entered into human history and seen everyone on his throne and just cut us all down. Like, do you understand how holy I am? Do you understand who I am and what I am and what I've done? And you are trying to pretend that you are the boss of your own life, that you're the ruler of your own life, it's so offensive. It's so offensive. And yet, God didn't cut us down. God actually came and let us cut him down. And he, he let us do that and for our sake so that we wouldn't have to be cut down one day, that we can rest in him and that his death and his resurrection is sufficient for us that when we put our trust in him, that on the last day when we're standing before God, we're in Jesus and he's already been cut down. He's already been resurrected. He's on the throne. And we're just children of the king. And we're going to be in heaven forever. And we get to worship God forever because of this love. And make no mistake, Jesus is coming back. Like, Jesus is a holy, just God. And offenses to a holy, just God have consequences. So we're in this weird in-between state. And we only know this because the Bible says so. That Jesus came the first time as a suffering servant, as a sacrifice, to actually die for us so that we wouldn't have to die. But he's coming back one day, and guess what? He's taken out all the false kings. He's taken out all the goldly god diggers. He's, he's taken out 
all the God shapers because ultimately he's so good that he will only want good forever. And anything that's not good, he will banish forever. And guess what? We're not good. So that's bad news for us. But what's good news is God actually came and made a way for us to be in that and be with him forever. So while we were still sinners, Jesus offered himself up to us and for us. Um, The second thing I want to tell you guys is if salvation comes from the unlikely, it also is for the unlikely. Um, Everything about the Bible confirms this. There is no superhero in the Bible besides Jesus. Any person in the Bible, any event is actually a crazy situation of someone who is just so unlikely to be in that situation, right? Like God didn't move through human history through the major powers. He didn't move through the Romans, the Greeks, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, whoever, put whoever out there. He, he used a nobody, teeny nation that was hardly ever in power. That's who he used to change the whole world. Um, when, when the Philistines came up, this mighty army, and they had this monster warrior named Goliath, did he send Israel's biggest, strongest guy? He, he actually picked this small, the smallest, like, runt of the group, nobody, shepherd boy, and when he came forward, what did Goliath do? He laughed. He probably was dying laughing at this is the person that you're sending forward, and guess what? He died laughing because... David actually cut him down and God proved through David that it doesn't matter what it looks like. God is God. He's going to do what he does through the most unlikely people. You know, we read about like Sarah, way too old. Leah, way too unattractive. Who does he use? Those people. Okay. So the ones, I'm just saying, this is, it's, I mean, we we think you got to look a certain way. You think you got to be young and hip and whatever. It's like God doesn't work through that. God works through the most unlikely people and that's how he continues his story. And he attracts the most unlikely people. And because we see Jesus and how he was actually born into our existence and the way he grew up and the way he died and who he is and what he had to go through, it just confirms that this is the way to salvation. This is the way to saving faith. The ones that should have been forgotten, the ones that had little or no inheritance or social status, those are the people God uses, okay? So when God says, I, use, I, I choose Nazareth, I choose Nazareth as the birthing place of me when I come into human history. Like, I choose the girl that nobody wants. I choose the boy that everybody's forgotten about, okay? And I choose the unlikely church that's resting on liberty and confederate because it is the most unlikely church I've ever heard of. And that's the encouragement for all of us today. This church, we should be so encouraged. We are the unlikely people. We are the unlikely people. I mean, think about it. Just, just think about it. I'll start with Pastor Jay. All right. Pastor Jay being up here is crazy because Pastor Jay sat in a church plotting to take someone's life. And now he sits in a church plotting how to give people eternal life. What? Are you serious? Yes, that actually happened. It's so unlikely. Me, you know, when I grow up, I, I spent my whole life growing up running away from God, trying to build my own kingdom because I knew I was going to be famous. I just, it wasn't even like a question. I knew, I just didn't know how. And um, 
but then now at my core level, this is true. Like I only want to be near God. I don't, I don't want to run away from God anymore. I want to be near God because I actually believe he's good and he's gracious and he loves me. And I want to be near him and I want to build his kingdom and I want to make him famous. That's the only reason I'm up here. So that's just another unlikely story. It's like, I know everyone in this church has similar stories where it's so unlikely. Like, how unlikely was it for Amy and Evac to be the first people in line to meet President Obama when he came here? Does that make sense? They were before like senators, congressmen, they were the first people in line to meet the President of the United States. Um, how unlikely is it that there's people in this building that have moved from all corners of our country to come here to educate the people who um, are powerless, to educate the invisible in our public school system because that's what they felt called to do when they could be doing tons of other stuff wherever they came from. But they actually moved to Jacksonville, Florida to educate the invisible. That's so unlikely. Why, why would you do that? That makes no sense. Um, how about our founding pastor of this church transitioned in May or June, whatever, and the church still exists. Like we're still here. The church didn't divide in two or we didn't shut down. Like that never happens. There's always some like collateral damage that happens, but that didn't happen. And it's a testament that God moves through the unlikely. Um, we have so many unlikely stories about adoptions, about people coming back to church, about people coming to church for the first time. Like, if you actually, during the meet and greet, it's, it's not enough time. But if you actually get to know some of the people in the room, their stories and how they're actually standing here today, sitting here today, listening, and actually repenting of their sins and saying, God, I actually believe you're good. I don't want to run from you anymore. And I don't want to try and rule over you anymore. I'm actually wanting to give my life to you because I actually believe that it's true. It's good news. You have saved me because you love me. You have given me every opportunity to come back with you. So, and when the lights cut on at the end, you can look around the room and just look how different everyone is in this room. That's a testament. This is an unlikely church. And we should be encouraged because if we're unlikely, we actually fit in the story of God because the whole Bible testifies to the most unlikely people, places, and things that God uses to change history. So this is what I want to end with. Um, as we take communion today, as um, they bring communion down, we get to marvel at the fact that the good news is God uses the most unlikely people, the worst of the worst of the worst, the ones with the deepest, darkest secrets, the ones have, who have made the biggest mistakes in their life, of anyone's life, the godly gold diggers who try to exploit God for his resources, as well as these God shapers who try and form God in their own image of who they want God to be. They're all forgivable. Everything's forgivable. There's no one who, is, who cannot be forgiven under the grace of Jesus Christ. So when we return to Jesus and submit to him um, as our true king, he pardons us. He forgives us. It, that's the most amazing news. And he did that because he actually took on our sins and took on our death upon himself because he, he broke his body for us. That's why we eat this bread. When we're eating it, we're remembering that Jesus actually was here. It actually happened. And it reveals that not only was he here, 
he, he suffered immensely in the way that we should suffer, but he did it for us. The king of kings, the one with all the power and privilege, disposed of it for us, for our sake. God did the unlikely and is delighted to work through the unlikely, which is us. So if you are in here today and you think you're insignificant, that you really don't have a place in God's plan, and you're the most unlikely person God would actually use to do something amazing, you're right. And guess what? That's the exact type of person God always uses to do his biggest biddings because it's not about you. You're coming humbly before God in recognition that you're not enough, that you don't have it all together, and that God takes that and fills you and leads you into this world as ambassadors for himself to make huge changes. And that's, the, that's basically what he's been doing from day one. So this Christmas, we can be humbled. Be humbled that you don't own the throne of your life. You don't get to make all the like, shots and calls in this life. And if you do, then you're gonna reject the real king. And if you're rejecting the real king, when the time comes to face up with the real king, he's gonna say, I don't know you. You rejected me. So we can, we can be real humbled by that. And we know that the king has actually come back. He came back to take back his throne. And be encouraged. So be humbled, but be encouraged this Christmas. That unlikely king willingly brought himself lower than anyone has ever gone because his love for us is greater than we could ever know. And he delights in the unlikely me, you, all of us. Let's pray.